Good morning, dear faithful, to St. Patrick Parish and Oratory for all of you who are connected with this live stream on this Friday, May the 8th, and it is the ancient feast of the apparition of St. Michael at Mount Gargano, which is found in your older missals. And of course, this Mass that we are celebrating today is similar to that other feast of the dedication of St. Michael on the 29th of September. So the readings, I believe, are identical to that feast, unless you have an older missal, which then you are able to follow for the readings here on May 8th. The Mass is being offered um, in honor and for the servant of God, very reverend Father Jan Philippe Rutan. And this was requested by Stephanie Bro of Chicago. And we will speak about uh, Father Rutan and his, his elevation to this servant of God. And we are promoting as much as we can for his, his eventual beatification and canonization. Also, this feast is quite, quite uh, very popular and we ought to find the good history of these apparitions of St. Michael as we need St. Michael the Archangel today and always. And as we pray, of course, the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel after each Mass, let us ask for his help and intercession as we continue through this most unusual time of our world and of our church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. First of all, a brief uh, explanation of this apparition at Mount Gargano. As you might know already, St. Michael had appeared uh, on many occasions and many places and many times. And so th this powerful archangel who is the head and prince of the angels who had fought against Satan and all of the other evil spirits. He continues to wage war and battle today and fight for the good of our souls. And so let us remember the reality and the existence of our angels, especially that of our guardian angel. And then we, as we know, St. Michael had appeared there at Mount Gargano in Italy, and there had become then a grotto there in a shrine. And so it is a very interesting apparition, and I encourage you to read more about the many apparitions of St. Michael the Archangel, but especially particularly in this one at Mount Gargano. There is now a shrine there, a church, where people come, continue today, pilgrims who come and continue to venerate the St. Michael the Archangel there. And of course, St. Michael the Archangel, he had usually appears on mounts or mountains or high places and one of these places was that hill here at Mount Gargano and he considered it sacred and so then the when the people found out especially when there was a bull actually that ran towards that place and of course the farmer who had had known about this bull had followed that bull and when that bull came he uh, to that place where is consecrated by St. Michael, then the bull knelt down 
at the entrance of that cave opening that was there by the mount. And so this was reported, of course, by that farmer to the local bishop of uh, Siponto, an ancient city in Italy. And uh, after many deliberations and people who had visited that place, then it became a place of pilgrimage. And so many bishops came and visited, of course, uh, that mountain and then also the fellow pilgrims. And that how, that's how it became then a place of pilgrimage, as also they heard from St. Michael himself that this is holy ground and holy sacred ground. So let us continue then to acknowledge the riches of our faith in that. Also, secondly, let us speak about this particular intention of today's Mass, which I believe we should try to promote there. Father, Father um, Rutan, who had become the 21st, um, 21st Superior General of the Jesuit Order, and it was during that time in, uh, in the history of the Church where the, the Holy Father had suppressed the presence of the Jesuits in many places throughout the world. And also, unfortunately, this had because of, of church uh, reasons, but also of political reasons, but also financially re financial reasons too. And so not to make this into a treatise on the suppression of the whole order of the Jesuits, Father Rutan was selected and had found out actually during this time when he had tried to pursue this vocation to the Jesuit order, he, he had known little of their presence because when he was little, it was already suppressed. So during that time, he had to go even to white Russia or in present day um, Belarus to find out that there are indeed, there were indeed Jesuits still living around that time. And only after the instruction of Father Beckers, who was one of the Jesuit uh, order priests and also many other priests elsewhere, then he, be he entered and studied with the Jesuit order and became ordained as one of their priests. Now this priest who had been called to become the, these, uh, su the superior general had to reform and to resurrect, as, as you say, the Jesuit order and under his helm during this time he had raised many members to the ranks of the Jesuits about 5,000 or so and of course there is a book out there that is being promoted on his life and if you just search online of course this great this great uh, servant of God Father John Rutan you'll be able then to to find that book that work on on his about his life but also, if you would like to know more about the history of the suppression of the Jesuits, there is a very clear explanation in one of the chapters that is located in that book. So I encourage you, if you're able to, to find out more about this great servant of God as we continue to pray for his help and intercession. And fortunately, it, in Chicago, I was able to, to f find a relative and meet him personally and uh, get to know about about one of his uh, relatives, his uh, distant relatives, who unfortunately had recently passed away. But uh, he was also very involved in uh, many scientific things, and especially in the University of Chicago. And so let us pray also for the repose of his soul, the, one of the relatives of Father Rutan, 
His name is Clemens Rutan. And let us pray also for his deceased wife as well. One of the good things that Father Rotan wrote and in order to instruct the Jesuit order was his book on meditation. And uh, that is still out there and you're able also to use that if you, are a, if you would like to find some more uh, prayer books written by, by the Jesuit order. And speaking of meditation, let us continue our catechism lesson on, on prayer. But now we step into a, another type of prayer which we call meditation. So meditation, or what we call mental prayer, consists in collecting one's thoughts, focusing one's attention, recalling pertinent facts and uh, principles and circumstances in order to awaken within our minds good resolutions. You see, that's the fruit of meditation. It's called affective prayer. Mental prayer is the employment of the three faculties of the soul, memory, understanding, and will. So let us remember that memory, understanding, and will. Exercising by God's assistance their acts about those mysteries and truths which our holy Catholic faith teaches. So we contemplate on the mysteries of the church, of dogma, during that time of meditation. We speak interiorly to God inside, our Lord conversing familiarly with Him, begging of Him His gifts, and treating of all that is necessary for our salvation and perfection of our soul. See, in meditation, the powers of the mind must be exercised laboriously until the Holy Ghost breathes upon the soul, guiding it and elevating it. If we strive to elicit a succession of beautiful thoughts and elaborate meanings, this is not, this is not meditation, this is not prayer, but this is study. Meditation is a most excellent method of prayer, but it must not be pursued to the exclusion of vocal prayer. See, by mental prayer, we imitate on earth the occupation of the angels who constantly contemplate the face of God and meditate on his perfections. See, the saints have bequeathed to us many books of meditations, in particular that of Father Rutan, but also we know of St. Francis de Sales with his introduction to the devout life where he speaks and instructs us on how to meditate well. If we read these attentively, these books, they will help us to pray along with the guidance of your spiritual director, of course. The greatest of all these books, of course, we know is the Holy Sacred Scripture. Mental prayer must alternate with vocal prayer. And these two methods of prayer are the two feet that carry us forward on the way to heaven. See, meditation is necessary, is a necessary preliminary to prayer. Without it, prayer will be imperfect. The needful devotion will be lacking. But even if we do articulate words in vocal prayer or vocalize these acts and desires, our prayer does not therefore cease to be mental prayer. You see, sometimes it elicits us to vocalize it. This is a mistake that some people make, thinking 
that they must repress all articulate utterance or speech in mental prayer. On the contrary, if, as often is the case, lip articulation helps to make our acts more fervent or more real, it may be used, but it is not essential. In this, as in all such matters, a holy liberty of spirit should prevail. And so when we think about Catholic meditation, we see how it is so diametrically opposed to what the New Age movement or what other religions call their own type of meditation. In particular, we speak about the pagan Buddhist type of meditation, which is the evacuation of all senses, of all thoughts, of all feelings. And that is not Christian prayer. That is not truly meditation. That's probably meditation in their own perspective, but it is not the way that we should meditate. So when we think about meditation, we automatically think about yoga meditation, which is false, and Buddhist meditation, which is completely false as well. You see, it is not simply those exercises. It is what, what is passed down to us by our Lord, by sacred scripture. So let us remember, maybe we had done this in the past, where we had taken yoga practices or meditation or even these exercises that people say it helps relieve and calm the mind and all that. But yoga, as we know, dear faithful, it must not be practiced at all. Even if you try to, to remove and strip away its religious connotation, it is, unfortunately, a religion. And so even if we do those postures, those movements, those breathing exercises, they certainly will not help us because that is, uh, unfortunately, leads us to the devil, to the evil one. And uh, I am not exaggerating here, dear faithful people think that yoga, some, a lot of people, even among Catholics, believe that yoga practices uh, are perfectly fine and suitable as long as you do not profess the religion. Unfortunately, it is not, dear faithful. Same thing with Buddhist practices where we can implement things there. No, not at all, dear faithful. We endanger the grace in our souls. We endanger the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ when we introduce syncretism and we introduce these errors into our own prayer lifestyle. And of course, unfortunately, there is now this phenomenon, even among what we call Catholics, called centering prayer, which is a, an extrapolation and a derivation of these pagan Buddhist practices. Centering prayer, as many people try to support nowadays, especially in, in a very... Um, uh, even among Catholic movements, unfortunately, which I am very saddened about, is being practiced nowadays. So please be aware, dear faithful, that not all the things that are being promoted you know, by the lay or by even the priests, we must try to examine and see if these are valid things. And if, for example, centering prayer, it might sound Catholic, it might sound Christian, it might sound wholesome, but unfortunately it is not. And they're faithful. So therefore, we need to continually instruct ourselves on the truth of the church. And uh, unfortunately, these errors have been propagated in these spheres of our Catholic Church and elsewhere, in the government, in the world. But let us be mindful, dear faithful, how we can discern what is true and good and where we can find them 
and that is we find them in the examples of our saints. We find them in the apparitions of the great saints such as St. Michael the Archangel. We find that in the holy examples of Father John Rutan, Superior General of the Jesuit Order. We find it in the examples of St. Patrick, in St. Francis de Sales, St. Benedict, St. Thomas Aquinas. There's nothing else to invent. The saints have already given it all to us through their writings, through the sacred writings. So let us not look for novelty. Let us think that we are always ever renewed by these ancient traditions and teachings of the church and the magisterium. And let us not continue to find innovations in these things because this can lead us to error, just like the development of this erroneous type of centering prayer. So let us continue to ask the intercession of St. Michael the Archangel. Let us also pray for the promotion of the canonization of Father John Rutan. Let us pray for all of those, you know, those saints. Ask for the intercession to help us during these times of uncertainty, of difficulty, of strife. But let us know that we must try to plant ourselves always with the cross of Christ. We carry our daily sufferings and sacrifices. We offer our prayers for the salvation of our souls, for the forgiveness of our sin and those around us, for the conversion of sinners everywhere. And let us be united in spirit with the Holy Mass. And hopefully one day we will be able to publicly celebrate the Mass together here in this church. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.